Hello and welcome, and we're here at Holistic Investments, and I'm your host, Constantine Kogan, and I'm delighted to have here again, uh, Lou Kerner. Uh, so Lou is a, is a good friend, and uh, he's a uh, former macroanalyst. He's now a partner in blockchain co-investors and a founder of Crypto Mondays, along with like multiple other companies that he founded, invested in. And uh, we're going to talk about a lot of really interesting topics, you know, ranging from how to build a community in crypto. And Lou is the one who knows everything about it because uh, Crypto Mondays has one of the biggest communities in the world, uh, ranging of like 64 cities. Uh, then we're going to talk about the metaverse, the, the Bitcoin prediction, the SPACs, you know, and a lot of other fun topics. But for now, Lou, um, good morning and uh, thank you for being here. Hey, good morning, Constantine. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, just because we're talking still about uh, digital assets, uh, so we're throwing a legal disclaimer that this content is for informational purposes only, and you should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. So now we can talk about a lot of things, but I want to focus on uh, some of the things that you're known to, at least in New York community, right? So like Crypto Mondays, I remember when it started and it was so exciting when it was like only like, you know, New York and then a few other cities in the world. And now it's like, it's grown to a huge community of 64 cities, like uh, thousands of people who actually, uh, just for someone who doesn't know, like, you know, people go to meet up, they meet like hundreds of them. And Lou was the founder. And uh, can you, uh, can you maybe f say a little bit about it? Like, what is the importance of building a community in crypto? Sure. Um, well, you know, real quick, by way of background, I, I started my career as an equity analyst on Wall Street, and I left uh, in January of 2000 to run my first digital company. Uh, the second that I ran was called Bolt. It was the largest social network in the world before MySpace. We peaked to 23 million kids in 2006. Um, and so, you know, I, I spent a lot of time, you know, in, you know, in community and trying to understand communities uh, and continue to invest in and around communities first as an angel investor and then as a VC. And when I saw the crypto light on June 29th, 2017, uh, what, what, what I saw, and I think crypto to some degree is, is infinite. I think it's the biggest thing to happen in the history of humanity. And so I think when everybody sees it, everybody sees something different based on the prism at which they're looking at the world through based on their life experience. For me, when I saw the crypto light, what I saw was uh, that for the first time in history, we had a set of tools to solve for the community instead of the man in the middle. And that community is really at the center of, of crypto. And you know, we're early days in terms of managing the community, understanding you know, token economics, governance and consensus. Um, but for me, um, you know, I, I was actually a meetup shareholder uh, and the CEO kept on saying, you know, when are you going to start a meetup? When are you going to start one? So I started one and they're like magic. You know, the people you want to show up just, you know, magically show up. Uh, so when I got into crypto, um, there was actually a, a great weekly meeting at the Galaxy office uh, in New York. I remember that. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, and it was awesome, but uh, it was tough to get a ticket to, you know, to, to get an invite. Um, and so, uh, you know, I had a lot of friends asking me, can you get me in? Can you get me in? Can you get me in? Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, after doing that, you know, for a few months, I, I got an email from Bagatelle, which is a sick restaurant, bar restaurant in New York. And they sent me an email saying, you know, you do meetups. Uh, if you'd like to do a meetup at our bar restaurant, we'd be happy to host you on a Monday for free. And so I wrote them back and said, thanks for your kind offer. But what I'd really like is 10% uh, of the bar. Uh, which we gave to um, charity. 
and uh, every Monday till the end of time. And we started it on January 8th, 2018, which was the peak day of crypto for almost three years. Um, we had 300 people at the first one. We had 350 people at the second one, three TV groups. And we decided to blow it out around the world in a decentralized fashion. So, you know, anybody could start up a crypto money in their city. We would connect them on, on Meetup and help market it. But, you know, it was theirs to run as, as they wanted to. And uh, we just had the 64th city open up uh, uh, actually yesterday, uh, which was Crypto Monday, Orange County. When we could still travel in 2009, I went to 14 different Crypto Mondays. Uh, my favorite in the world, and there are a lot of good ones, is Paris. Uh, it's at Station F, the six shared workspace in Paris. Uh, seats 200 and it sells out within a couple minutes. Mm -hmm. I went to Crypto Monday, Shanghai twice. It totally rocks. And it's cool. I'd never been to Shanghai, but I got, you know, but, but, but I'm a crypto guy in Shanghai because Crypto Monday rocks. <laughs> no, that's, that's impressive. And I remember those parties in Bagatelle. It was really fun. Yeah, but then, you're right. It was limited. So, um, so I, I want to ask you, so a lot of people, as you know, right now, there, there's a second wave of this like ICO, IDO era, right? And a lot of people are building communities um, online, right? We're talking about uh, this Discord, Telegram, uh, Twitter, obviously, right? You're specializing building communities offline and online. So maybe you can talk a little bit of the importance of what's the difference between like, you know, leveraging the community, like, you know, well, like offline and online. Sure. Well, first, you know, starting at, at a very high level, you have to even define what is a community, um, right? We're at the very early days, you know, of this. And, you know, one of the challenges is we all use the same words, but quite often they mean something different to different people. So for me, community means an ecosystem where everybody gets more out of it than they put in, mm -hmm. which is kind of magical um, if you think about it. And, you know, I first really learned about this when I was running Bolt and we had all these advertisers who wanted to drive engagement with their advertising, but we couldn't actually pay the kids enough money that it would incentivize them and be profitable for the advertisers. But what we ended up doing was um, giving them badges for participating in different things on the, you know, on the network. Uh, and the badges would scroll around the profile conferring status in the community. And so, you know, about 2 million of the kids would do almost anything we asked them to get that badge conferring status. And the great thing is, is, is that status is free to give, but the community members, 10% of them valued it, you know, very highly. And that's kind of what I call value delta. We can give something to members that costs you a lot less than they value it. And I think that that value delta the bigger that value delta is, the bigger the community can become on average. I think there's a high correlation, which is why the biggest communities in the world uh, are religions, because, you know, they create faith at zero cost and people you know, often value it greater than their entire life. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting example. It is like actually what Christianity and Islam actually more than a billion like uh, communities all over the world. Right. So exactly. Uh, they're, they're huge communities and, and people get a tremendous amount of value out of it. So 
how can we like uh, so what we're seeing right now like is uh, a lot of the companies what they do when they start especially like you know their business they're building communities which are disintegrated right so they're doing exactly what you're saying but they're like they're centric towards their particular idea whether it's a game or a dex or an amm or any other like image how do we how do we make sure that these communities will start also like like cr uh you know cross integrations and making sure that they help each other <laughs> Well, so, so first, um, you know, starting at a, uh, you know, at the base level of the community, right? If you think, okay, what's the atomic level of community? Uh, so I think the atomic level of community is uh, a marriage, right? It's just two people <laughs> and they're forming, you know, really a, a community amongst the two of them. And, and the weird thing is, if you think about it, is um, that they get they create this community without generally a single discussion on governance and consensus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that generally creates a lot of problems. Um, again, staying at a high level, uh, when I was running Bolt, um, we did eight acquisitions of other uh, community-related sites that you know, were generally, uh, uh, you know, and I was the first person called Zuckerberg offered to buy Facebook and uh, ended up five years later uh, in 2009, Four years late, 2009, buying some secondary shares uh, and writing the first Wall Street style research report on Facebook. And, you know, what I highlight in that report, it's still up on Tumblr, is, you know, my core belief is that you're either growing the engagement of your community members or you're dying. And so, you know, in my mind, you know, what, what you need to do is con continue to have ways to engage and provide value to the community members and, and, and have ways for the community members to add value back uh, to the community. And, you know, I think one of the best communities, uh, well, first, you know, the, I, th I think the most amazing community in crypto is Ethereum. So, you know, I became a big bull on Ethereum when I went to, you know, my first uh, uh, East Denver. Um, and mm. I saw how incredibly strong the community was. Um, you know, just, you know, just thousands of the best and brightest programmers, uh, uh, devs, uh, you know, we're so committed to, to helping build Ethereum. Um, yeah, the, the latest example of a, of a great community, uh, I, I think, is Board 8 Yacht Club. Um, now, you know, at the core of, of most communities uh, is making money, right? So, you know, you can go into the, you know, chain link, you know, has a incredibly active telegram group, you know, but people are there to make money and that's great. Nothing's wrong with that. But, you know, what you have to understand is, is that, you know, when there's easy money to be had during bull markets like today, you're going to see, you know, you know, growing engaged communities. But when, you know, the pendulum swings the other side and mm -hmm. the only thing I'm certain of is at some point it's going to, you know, swing to the other side is then a lot of that community goes away. So you want to have other values that you are able to give to your community. Again, 48 Yacht Club, I think, is a great example of a community that confers tremendous status on the people. That's why, you know, so many people who have Board Apes have it, you know, as their avatar because, you know, they, they, they enjoy that status. It's also great at, at um, you know, being a part of that community gives you. Uh, access to events that you wouldn't otherwise have access to. Again, providing value to community members. So, so that that is really interesting where you bring it up because it made me think. Like, for example, 
lately I, I've noticed that uh, there are people who are Bitcoin maximalists, like Bitcoin communities were one like the first and the biggest one. And then we see Ethereum community. And there was, uh, and I'm sure like I want to try to touch this unpopular topic, which there was some animosity, like, you know, some hostility between the two communities, people who are like, you know, altcoin oriented and people who are Bitcoin like centric, right? So maybe from your vantage point, like, you know, from your experience, what would you advise? How do we make sure that there is no such thing in our community? Because normally crypto is a very friendly environment. We try, we tend to help each other. We tend to support each other. But there's one, like, you know, with the biggest guys, like they're trying to create this, like, you know, centrism and it's not, not always health, healthy, you know? Sure. Um, you know, I, I like, have you ever heard of the Altalina? Yeah. So uh, uh, most people I, you know, who are listening to this probably have never heard of the Altalina. Uh, the Altalina was a boat uh, when Israel um, was uh, preparing to declare itself a nation. They knew that mm -hmm. they were going to get attacked and they needed arms. Uh, and it was a struggle for them to get the arms for them to protect themselves. You know, this is you know, 1948, 49. Right. And so um, Menachem Begin was able to get a ship uh, filled with guns uh, from from France, and he sailed it to you know where he had a crew sail it you know of his you know of Israeli of Jews. I mean Israel wasn't even formed yet uh, uh, to uh, to Israel, and um, the Israeli army uh, uh, that time you know Ben Gurion was the head of the provisional government uh, sunk the ship and killed Jews and and. And all those arms fell to the, you know, to, to, to the bottom. Uh, uh, and what that taught me is that revolutions are messy. You know, they're not easy. And this is a revolution, right? This is when the history of, of this time is written. This is the, you know, the revolution about how the whole world works. And there is a better way. And that's what, you know, and so when I first got into the community, I found um, a lot of the behavior abhorrent. Uh, the animosity between the communities. Now, uh, I actually believe that that that's um, a feature and not a bug, you know, and that, you know, and that they're hard. Revolutions are hard and we need divergent opinions. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're basically, you're, you're, you're not against it. You're, you're saying it's healthy and it's going to actually help us to grow and the competition will, will, uh, will bring the best out of the communities because of that, right? I think so. I think the reason that we have all this animosity is because of all of the passion that we have about, you know, creating this, this better future. We, you know, we have different visions about how to create it. I think at a high level, it's the same, right? It's, you know, when you get down into the details, you know, the, the differences, which I think those are small, you know, it, it's kind of reminds me of, you know, the, the, the different, right, there are two, you know, major sides, I guess, to, 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 to Islam, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, you know, to the rest of the world, those differences are, are infinitesimal, um, you know, and we can't even tell those differences, but to those parties, they're so huge that they're willing to kill each other over it. Yeah. No, I, 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 I would agree with you hundred percent. I think it's even for good. So I'm just curious to hear your, your opinion. So coming back to the Bitcoin subject. So I've read recently that you made a prediction on the Bitcoin price, you know, like, and as a, as a macro analyst, I, I'm curious to hear, like, uh, if I may, like, again, it's not a financial advice, but <laughs> you were talking about that you see it's going to, it's going to go to 1 million, right? So can you substantiate a little bit this point of view? Sure. 
So again, this is just a very macro uh, view. Uh, and it, one of the challenges, obviously, we all face in crypto is valuing crypto, right? How do you value utility tokens? I think we're in the very, very early days of, of, of that. Um, uh, but in terms of Bitcoin, trying to think, okay, what, what can Bitcoin become? How big can Bitcoin get? You know, I personally, for me, you know, I'm, I'm not a maximalist either. <laughs> I actually have one business orthodoxy and my one business orthodoxy is to not have any business orthodoxies. Um, uh, sure. But for me, Bitcoin is a store of value. And it's, it's not just, you know, and all through history, the, the primary store of value for thousands of years has been gold. And now we have something that's, you know, not just, you know, 10% better than gold or 50% better than gold. It's 10 times better, or 100 times better than gold, in, in my view. And whenever you get that kind of, you know, logarithmic, you know, geometric growth in, in the value provided, you get generally geometric growth in, in the size of that market. So today in round figures, the crypto, the, the store value market is a $10 trillion market. Uh, and... You know, Bitcoin has, you know, a couple percent, you know, uh, 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 you know, around getting close to 10% of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you think about that market now growing over the next 10 years from 10 trillion to 40 trillion, which I think is, is, is very reasonable because now it's, it's so much better. Um, and Bitcoin gets 50% of that. So gold gets, stays at 50, Bitcoin gets 50. Bitcoin is worth 20 trillion and that's in round figures, a million dollar Bitcoin. And I think by that point, we'll be talking about it in terms of, of, of sats, right? So at that point, a sat is a, is a penny, mm -hmm. right? And I think, you know, right now, you know, part of the struggle for a lot of new people is, oh, you know, it's, it's so expensive. It's, you know, you know, $40,000 of Bitcoin. I can't afford that. But everybody, you know, you can get a hundred sats for a buck. That sounds a lot better. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, I think that people don't, they don't like uh, still think in sets. That's the, that's the challenging part of them, right? You know, for them, it's like either pennies and dollars and they still uh, convert all the time, the price of Bitcoin. But there are other people who are in like deep, you know, like in the industry and they are actually doing the parallels, right? Like you do, right? I've actually co-authored one report where I predicted like a similar thing, but 400K, like by the end of 2000, I think uh, <laughs> five, right? So you, you're even more like bullish than me in this case, like, which is great. I'm actually happy if you're right, you know, because then everyone will benefit from this. Um, okay, so in terms of like, so- And, and by the way, you know, I, I would also say, uh, I'm a huge believer in something called the Mare's Law. And in Mare's Law, he was a professor at Stanford in the 70s, Roy Amara, when he came up with it. And that's the fact that the impact of all great new technology, like crypto, I believe is, is that the, the impact of that technology is overestimated in the short run and underestimated in the long run. It's always much bigger than anybody thinks it's going to be. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure in '90s nobody nobody could have predicted what was going to happen to dot com era and where we're going to be now. So so that's similar to what we're seeing right now. Like some of the inventions took hundred years to actually adopt. So and we're only what 12, 13 years like in in as an industry, right? So yeah, it, it it's super early. That's for sure. The question is if uh, there, there are a lot of other like questions, which again, we're probably not going to have even an hour to discuss all the regulatory questions. But but I think a any prediction is, is a bold statement on, on 
and it helps people to get some perspective. Even though I, I don't care if somebody is right or wrong, the fact that we have enough, uh, as you know, there's a good Hebrew word, chutzpah, you know, like the, <laughs> the, 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 I don't even know how to translate it properly into English, right? You know, so. Um, Bones? Yeah, both guts. So we have the guts to even talk about it, right? To give this prediction, like, and we don't care what people think. That's already uh, that's already something. And you know, I've spoke to Dan Moorhead about it. I spoke to a lot of other people who have macro background, and it was hard. You know, 2015, 16, nobody would agree with them. Now, like everybody is pouring like billions in their you know hedge funds, right? So. Um, it's fine. Um, now coming back to the, your investment career, right? You've mentioned that you were like, like you, you wrote in a tremendous analysis of Facebook, which where nobody understood like where it's going to go, like, you know, and then you, you invested. Oh, so in March of 2010 and it was actively traded at 16 billion on the secondary market. Yeah. And I said it was worth 50 at the time. And I got laughed at. And, um, you know, again, like Mari's law, it was actually worth a lot more than 50. <laughs> exactly. So that, that, that's the point. So you have, you, you, you just don't have like, you're not one of those people who are coming into crypto from kind of nowhere. Like, and I would say like, you, you have a, a traditional fintech experience and, and analysis, right? So what do you see of other trends? Where are we heading in the nearest, like, you know, I think five years, it's like a long period for crypto. Let's talk about two to three years even. Sure. Well, first, when, when I talk about this 10 year you know, time frame is, is I'm, you know, if, if, if I'm right, you know, and could certainly be wrong, but if I'm right and we're at a million dollar Bitcoin in 10 years, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I know how we're going to get there. And that's by going up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. And so for me, I, you know, as, yeah, as somebody who really invests based on macro, more based on macro trends, um, you know, all of that up and down, you know, if I'm right in 10 years, all of that is noise. So I'm really you know, trying to separate the, the noise from what's really meaningful. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, yeah, I, you know, I think, you know, over the long term, the trajectory is up and to the right. But as we've seen on multiple occasions in crypto, you know, we've been down 70, 80, 90 percent. And so I don't believe those swings are over. Um, so when I talk with people, I really say you, what you want to do is build a diversified portfolio of assets. That's why, you know, I'm, I'm at blockchain co-investors, a crypto fund to fund. You know, we really believe that, you know, in the next 10 years, um, you know, it, the, the internet gave us $5 trillion entity. I think crypto is going to give us 10, you know, multi-trillion dollar entities. Mm -hmm. And we want to get as many of those 10 as possible. And I think that the way to optimize for that is, is to find the fund. You know, so I think everybody, you know, we, we also run an AngelList syndicate, the blockchain co-investors syndicate on AngelList. You know, and I really tell all of our investors you know, that they should invest in everything we bring. Everything we bring, I think, you know, we think is a good company. Nobody knows which of those are going to be the Facebooks and Apples you know, of, of, of the crypto generation. Um, but, you know, if you hold the pool of them, that's how you'll optimize your chances of getting those multi-trillion dollar winners. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I do believe in like a modern portfolio theory, a diversification. It is important. Like, you know, one of the first books like Crypto Assets and uh, the, the basics of like, you know, that I've read uh, was actually based on this uh, theory. And um, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more in terms of uh, in terms of fund the funds, because, you know, I, I've been running also like Bitbull Capital before. <laughs> so, the, uh, and by the way, Matthew Lemerle, who is your partner, in, uh, also like he was an advisor for us. So, uh, and so my question to you, I'll be curious to to bring this parallel between the syndicate, which you're in, and fund the funds. Maybe for people who haven't participated in both, maybe you can outline what is the main difference? Sure. Well, the, the fund of fund, um, you need to be, uh, you know, the, the, the minimum there is, is pretty significant. Um, so uh, we wanted to also you know, make investing available uh, to people who were writing smaller checks. So, you know, AngelList, the minimum investment is $1,000. Uh, and the significant majority of companies that we're bringing to AngelList are companies that our VCs are investing in. And so, we, you know, we tell, you know, we're investing in 26 of the leading crypto VCs, and we tell them, if you can get additional allocation in any of your deals, you know, we will take it, um, you know, and, and make it available to the broader community. Mm-hmm. So the so the added value that you have is you have a bigger uh, you know bigger support from uh, from smaller checks people who also can be users of the project and they can maybe help with you know any other like you know uh, PR and marketing efforts right uh, and also you help them to syndicate otherwise they wouldn't for the users for the investors themselves they would never have an ability to invest thousand to ten thousand dollars in let's say Coinbase right it just probably was not possible exactly. before the IPO right. Exactly. So this is a way for you know uh, uh, the average investor uh, to get involved in these names. Yes. So fund of funds you you run is a traditionally you need to be a credit investor, right? You know, so you do all yes. these fancy things as KYC ML and you check them, mm-hmm. like you know, make sure. And I, I know how do you deal with people? Like I'm I'm curious. I'm sure there's no good answer to this, but uh, let me ask you, right? So people who have like almost they're almost accredited investors. For some reason, this particular year they cannot like get from their accountants the status, especially if they're holding a lot of crypto and, and they don't want to cash out to get the status how do you deal with those people you know un, un, unfortunately uh, you know kyc you know aml uh you know there are companies that you can work with uh who you know will provide that accreditation and so you know that's you know that's you know, what, what 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 we do so we're you know we're not really able to impact it you know from our viewpoint it's it's binary it's either yes or no and, and okay. we get that from third parties I get it. Okay, so so that, that's very simple for on, on your side, and in in terms of the syndicate, so anyone can participate, right? You know, is there? What, what, well, the what syndicate, are, you know, unfortunately, is 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 through AngelList, and AngelList also uh, at the moment is for accredited investors. Um, when AngelList uh, uh, started, uh, I, I'm sorry, when when crypto started going you know, up and to the right in 2017, I believe, you know, and everybody at AngelList was, oh my God, you know, I want to get to crypto. Um, Angelus started uh, Republican CoinList. So CoinList was for accredited investors to get access to, to crypto deals, and Republic was for unaccredited investors mm-hmm. to get access to, to crypto. Um, so Republic doesn't have um, that syndicate model yet, um, so we're not on Republic. But Republic is a great place for investors who can't 
you know, who aren't accredited to get access to, to great crypto companies. Yeah, that is true. Uh, I actually advise a lot of people, Republic as well, and I'm, I'm looking forward to get an interview with the CEO of Republic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, so uh, what about the non-US citizens, right? You know, so how do we do with people who are like, let's say, accredited investor status, like in, in, as you sure, like, you know, for sure, but the, for people who are listening to this, like, it might be different in each country, right? So, right. Well, we're, we're, we're run by U.S. laws. And so okay. the U.S. laws for accredited, it only counts for, um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, we have our way of doing it. The, you know, third parties, again, you know, do, do that accreditation. Got it. So, so, so uh, you cannot do you 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 know you don't foresee that there will be like a separate vehicle like an SPV that will actually help you to to syndicate money non from from non US investors. You don't you don't. You know, oh sure. Well, look. I mean, uh, uh, most uh, projects now that are raising are raising from outside the US because the the laws are are so uncertain in the US. And so, you know, most projects, you know, if you're outside the U.S., you know, you, you, you don't need to be accredited, you know, to invest in, in most ICOs. Yeah. So that's another thing. So, so what are the most notable investments that you did in your syndicate and your fund of funds? Maybe you can <laughs> list them. Sure. Well, I mean, I'll tell you the, you know, we, we, we just started the Angelist Syndicate, um, did our, just did our first deal in January. Uh, and that deal actually just started trading on CoinList. I'm, I'm sorry, on Coinbase. Uh, and that was BrainTrust. So mm -hmm. BrainTrust is a super interesting company. It's, it's actually you know, rapidly growing. Uh, uh, it's a kind of a, it, it, it's a decentralized a talent you know, uh, agency or, uh, where devs go and uh, get projects that you know, a lot of Fortune 500 companies are putting projects there because they know that this is a highly vetted group of programmers. Uh, and so, you know, they, uh, uh, and, and it's decentralized, it's owned by the community. So as opposed to, you know, Fiverr and, you know, other places where people can go to work through web two companies that take, you know, or Uber or DoorDash, right. You know, who generally take 20 to 30% of revenue, um, you know, and also are constantly changing the rules on the community, the community runs this. And so, you know, the, 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 they take 0% of uh of the fees paid to the members you know to the community members from the companies so it's really uh yeah i think a, a tremendous service for everybody you know creating this community where everybody is getting more out of it than they put in and mm -hmm. so you know the you know the round we were in was uh, i think 66 cents uh a, a token and you know the tokens are trading at around ten dollars today so you know that's a, a great return for the first investment Oh yeah, that's uh, like I, I did the multiples in my head. I will not announce them. <laughs> <laughs> Great. No, so listen. Uh, congrats with that. And I know that I know that you did some other like you know unicorn investments, even like and you're running some spacs. Maybe you can say like really briefly in the uh, how 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 would you do a spec like uh, for the crypto company? Is there any difference or the structure in this is almost the same? Sure. No, the structure all the same. Spacs. Uh, have been around for a long time, uh, but have really grown uh, significantly just over the last couple of years. And the, the simple way that I think of a SPAC, and that stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Vehicle. Um, and so SPACs go public, and then they find a, a private company 
to merge with, thus bringing that private company public. So what a SPAC really is, it's a vehicle enabling private companies to go public. Um, and the advantages for companies merging with a SPAC instead of going public themselves is first, you know, it's very expensive to go public. You have to hire lawyers and underwriters. Um, it's very expensive. It takes a long time. And there's also great uncertainty about it. So you can say, I want to go public um, and spend all of this money, take all of this company resources for months and months and months and months and months, and then get ready to go public. And now the public markets are closed or for whatever reason, mm -hmm. you know, the industry is out of favor and you can't go public. Um, so when you merge with the SPAC, all of that risk goes away. The SPAC is already public. So, you know, and, it, and you can go public uh, and, and close the merger in a lot less time than it would take you starting from scratch to IPO. So those are the major advantages to, to, to merging with the SPAC for those companies that want to go public. Uh, and, you know, we believe that there are going to be, you know, companies like, you know, Coinbase, that they're going to be, you know, hundreds of publicly traded uh, crypto companies uh, in 10 years. So, you know, similar to how there are, you know, we're, you know, today, you know, uh, thousands of publicly traded uh, internet companies. Mm -hmm. So uh, you mentioned a, a word expensive. I'm sorry, it's triggered me another question, which is if you would compare like the, the traditional IPO uh, company and the, the, uh, all the expenses and you would compare a spec, like, can you, can you say roughly the numbers? Obviously, like you can, uh, you, it varies, but roughly what is the difference in terms of the cost for the founder? Well, um, so the, 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 the SPAC really bears all the costs. So, you know, there, there are costs involved in a merger, but there are a small fraction of the costs associated with, you know, that, that the company that you're merging with will pay if, if they want to hire bankers. There's an expense to that, but it's less than hiring bankers generally to do, a, uh, to do an IPO, which is, you know, generally 6%. Of, of monies raised. Um, and so, you know, that, you know, but they also have to pay before that, they have to pay lawyers and accountants and to do all the filings, you know, and that's, you know, gets into the seven figures and that's a lot of money uh, uh, for most companies. So, you know, and it's also at risk. If you don't go public, that money is just flushed down the drain. Now, those companies have to spend a tiny fraction of that on, on the merger because that money has already been spent by the SPAC. So roughly, let's say if you say 6%, let's imagine we're doing $100 million IPO, right? And 6% the raise, let's imagine uh, $6 million plus like lawyers, right? Let's say another yeah, yeah. like half a million at least, right? <laughs> let's be generous or more. As, that, that, as a round number, that's a very reasonable number. Yeah, exactly. Right. So <laughs> And so accountants, that, and accountants, you know, and valuation people, yes. and an and, and, and. So roughly, let's say overall, like 10 million for everything, right? So, you know, as opposed to spec, like, do can we say that it's a roughly the ratio is one to 10, almost like you can you that you for one? Well, I think, you know, I, I think again, the SPAC is going public. So the SPAC has to spend all of that money, but it's the SPAC investors who, who are at risk, not the company. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's why it's been de risk because the SPAC investors have already taken on that risk. So the SPAC company itself, you know, now, now the 6% you have to pay a banker, that's, that's a success fee. Um, so if you're not successful, you, know, you, you have to pay, you know, a small fraction of that.
Got it. I mean, yeah, we, we should do a separate uh, uh, show on the on the on the specs. I guess I have so many questions, but I don't want to overwhelm people. Like right now, this is like a brief, uh, um, I would say, prelude. You know, for before the, <laughs> the real conversation about specs, right? I follow Chamath very closely, right? And he's like now considered one of the kings of specs, right? There's a lot of criticism towards specs as well. So that's why I'm not going to even start this conversation. Um, but it's definitely a very uh, interesting vehicle to to bring the company public faster. I know two of my friends are doing it in Toronto Stock Exchange and basically like in half a year, they're already like public, right? As opposed to waiting for the listings, you know, as you mentioned, right? It can take a long time and seven digits like in lawyers. And, and you're not even guaranteeing the success, right? So, um, so I, I mean, I, I'm you know, you're one of those people who like you're intellectual and you're polymath. So I, I can talk with you like for hours. But like I know, knowing that it's like a, it's a New York morning, and I want to be uh, also uh, very um, kind of cognizant about your time. So, the, one of the last questions, because of the name of my show is holistic investments, I always tend to ask people, and I specifically stop notifying people about this question i want to ask you what is what is the meaning in life for you like you do you're successful you're doing a lot of wonderful things you, you you're bringing you're you're also sharing money for charity that i know that's your kind of rule in life you're helping a lot of people you have a lot of entrepreneurs but what is the personal meaning of life for you you know, for me, uh, yeah, I've got three kids now. I've got three sons, 18, 20, and 23. Uh, and yeah, at this point, I kind of feel like, you know, I'm, you know, me and, and generation, you know, we have to take ownership of the world now that, 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 that we're going to be handing off to our kids. In what world are we going to leave the kids? And we, one of the reasons I'm so excited about being a part of the crypto industry is, you know, yeah, I think that the world is in a, you know, is in a bad place. Um, I think the U.S. is in a bad place. Uh, and I think that if we can leverage these technologies um, and hand the power back to the people, back to the community, I think we have the opportunity to make the world a better place for billions of people. Um, so, you know, that's, yeah, I, and I'm a capitalist too. I'm excited about. You know, I think we can are are going to make a lot of money uh, in, in crypto, and that's super exciting. But the even more exciting part, I think, for lots of people, including myself, about crypto is is making the world a better place. Perfect. Thank you so much. It was really great to learn from you. And uh, look, whatever you do, I, I wish you success. I know that uh, you will invest in more unicorns and you will help and that will allow you to help more people uh, and bring to our kids a better future. Okay, thanks a lot, Constantine. Thanks for everything you do for the community as well. Thank you so much.